In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible gives us a long list of people who are examples for us of what it means to live by faith. And today we're looking at one of them, a man named Noah. And Noah's, I think, very challenging for us because Noah's example of faith was that he believed in something that was unseen. He believed that something God said was going to happen, but it not yet happened, was certain and true. I say it's challenging because there's a lot of Christians today that we struggle to believe what God has already done in the past, let alone believe something in the future that God has yet to do. But as we look at the life of this man named Noah, that's, that's the example that God put before us. A man who hadn't seen anything happen yet, a man who had only heard what God said he was going to do, and yet he believed with all his heart and he had faith in God in fact he had so much faith that he he acted upon it and he built an ark to save his family from a flood that had not yet happened Noah shows us what faith looks like that faith is so much more than just saying that we believe something Faith is so much more than just looking at something and saying, well, that makes sense. I think that might be true. Faith involves acting. When we truly believe that God has warned us about dangers that are true and things that are going to happen that are certain, we believe it to the extent that we prepare and we live accordingly. And this man, Noah, because he did this, the Bible says he was, he was a righteous man. And this is one of the amazing things we're going to see today is, once again, the Bible connects faith with righteousness, is that the righteousness that God desires for us to have is not a righteousness of our own. It's a righteousness that he gives as a free gift that we receive by faith. So Noah shows us what it is to live by faith. It's to believe and trust God to the extent that things that you can't even see yet are absolutely certain in our minds. You know what's really interesting about this is that we only have trouble believing certain unseen things. Uh, Think about this for a moment. Uh, the, the last polls that I saw said that uh, about 98% of Americans believe in a place called heaven. About 98%. That's the last poll I saw. 98% of Americans. Isn't, isn't that amazing? 98% of Americans. The same poll said that 99% thought they were going there. So I don't know what that, <laughs> what that, what that difference is. So 1% didn't believe it exists, but they believed they were going. I, I, I don't know how that works. But when we think about believing in things that we can't see, it's not that we have trouble believing in things we can't see. It's we have trouble believing in things that we can't see that we don't like. We don't have any trouble believing in heaven. 
But yet those same people, if they were polled, a very small percentage would say that yes, one day there will be a final judgment. Yes, the same Bible that teaches us about heaven also teaches us about hell. Those same people who believe in this place that, by the way, was taught in the Bible, it's where heaven comes from, would struggle to believe that Jesus is coming again. But all of these things are future events that God has promised that have not yet happened. And the only way that we're going to live like the real is if we have enough faith to believe in God. So Hebrews chapter 11, today we look at verse 7 as it tells us about this man named Noah. Would you join me in standing as we read God's word together? Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray together. Father, help us today to have faith like Noah, that we would believe your promises and that we would trust in your warnings. Help us to live by faith that we might also receive the gift of righteousness. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So going through Hebrews chapter 11, one person after another, we learn different aspects of, of what faith means and what it requires of us. And one of the things we learned from Noah is that faith requires believing God for things that are yet unseen. It doesn't take any faith to believe what's already before us. If we say today we sit in this large, beautiful sanctuary, we can all look around and see it. It doesn't require any faith to believe that that's true. But when the Bible describes places and events that have not yet happened that we can't see, it requires faith to believe that they're going to come to fruition. So God warned Noah that he was going to bring a flood. In Genesis chapter 6, the Bible tells us about this warning that God gave Noah. Here's what God said. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. So this is what God told Noah he was going to do. Can you imagine for a moment being in, in Noah's shoes? You look around at civilization in the world, and you hear God say, I'm going to bring a flood, and I'm going to destroy everything. And see, so much in our human nature would like to believe that that's not, that that's not true. And that is exactly what God did. And because Noah believed God, and he believed what he said, and he prepared accordingly, him and his family were 
were saved. So today we look back on a flood that already happened and, and many of us struggle to believe it. And yet Noah looked forward to something that God had not even done yet and believed it was certain. And this way Noah is a great example for us of the kind of faith that God is looking for. It's, it's not a overly optimistic, wishful thinking of having faith that all good things are going to happen and all the things that we want are going to come true. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when God says he's going to do something. When God says something is going to happen, we have enough faith, trust, and confidence in the character and nature of God that we believe him. And because we believe him, we act upon it. You know, Noah is not the only person that God warned in the Bible. In fact, God warned people all throughout the Bible. The very first humans on this planet that God created, Adam and Eve, God warned them that if they ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that they would die. And do you remember the temptation as Satan came to them and he said, oh, you'll not surely die. Satan tempted them to doubt God, to doubt his word and to dismiss his warning. In fact, Satan tempted them to doubt the very character of God. As Satan says, God just told you that because he knows that if you do that, you'll become like him. And he doesn't want you to become like him. And so they doubted God's word and they did what God had warned them not to do. And in a time in which they had never seen death, they brought death into the world and sentenced themselves to death. There was a man later named Abraham. And God warned this man, Abraham, that he was going to destroy two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah. But unlike Adam and Eve, Abraham believed and trusted God. And when God said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham had enough faith in things unseen, enough faith in God to believe his word, that he pleaded with God to spare his nephew. He believed God for things that were yet unseen. God, as he later brought the nation of Israel into the promised land, he warned them that if they completely disregarded his covenant and they went chasing after foreign gods and serving idols, that he would send them into exile. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 64, listen to this warning God gave them. He says through the prophet Moses, and the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. 
Israel would later become divided into two kingdoms, the north and the south, and both would be carried off into exile. In fact, the north would live such unbelieving apostasy against God that they would be scattered and never to be reunited as a whole again. The south would be carried off about 100 years later to, to Babylon. And God would raise up a remnant of faithful people in the midst of the unfaithful and bring them back. And yet, each of these warnings were true. Some believed and some doubted. But when it came to the warning of the flood, Noah believed. And so, therefore, he acted and he prepared. Do you know that God has given us warnings that are yet unseen? For example, just a couple examples. One, Jesus taught us that there will be a final judgment. Here's what the Lord said in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 32. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The, the Son of Man, if you're not familiar, that's Jesus' his way, favorite way of referring to himself. The Son of Man is a reference to an Old Testament prophecy in Daniel. And Jesus said that, that one day... He was coming again. In fact, he says when he comes in his glory, he will sit on his glorious throne and, and there will be a great, a great judgment. Uh, many people today commit all kinds of evil and they suffer no immediate consequences. And so they are under the delusion that because there are no immediate consequences, that there are no consequences but Jesus has told us that one day there's going to be a judgment when we come to believe God about this and take him at his word one it should comfort every person that's ever been wronged you say pastor uh, this person did this to my family this person did this to me and they got away with it. I want you to understand, they may have never been tried in a human court. No person on this earth may ever believe your story. But God didn't miss a second of details. He knows everything they did. He knows their motives, their heart, and why they did it. And they'll either stand before God and be judged for it, or what Jesus did on the cross will be applied to pay for their debt. But either way, all sin has consequences. It takes faith to believe that something that we haven't seen yet, something that we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, is certain. But Jesus said there will be a final judgment. Paul would write about it in 2 Corinthians 
2 Corinthians 5 verse 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. So, one, this future uh, judgment, for those of us that have been wronged, it should give us some, some peace of mind to know that God is going to take care of this. But two, it should, should also motivate us to holy and righteous living. Wanting to do what is right because we know that God is aware of everything that we're doing, but also working to receive the reward. For there's coming a time when not only will evil be judged, but good will be rewarded. In fact, the Bible tells us that there are only two final eternal destinations. And we'll spend eternity in one or the other. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it speaks about something that is not yet seen, that is not yet Happened something that it requires faith for us to believe in. It speaks about this time in Revelation 20:15. It says, "And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire." If you're not familiar, this is what we call the Great White Throne Judgment. In Revelation, it describes when. All those who have not received forgiveness from Christ, whose sins have not been paid for because they would not receive his payment as a gift, are judged for what they've done. And it describes this place, this lake of fire, which, by the way, the Bible tells us in other places was not created for any one of us, but was created for Satan and his demons. But having refused Christ's forgiveness and having rejected the gift of life, there's simply nowhere else for us. In Matthew chapter 25, that passage that we read earlier, Jesus describes separating into two groups. It says, before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and just a few verses down in verse 46 it says and these talking about those who have not borne any fruit of repentance these will go into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life uh, many of us struggle to believe things that we that we just can't see I've heard people even talk about history and say, well, if, I, if it's not right in front of you, if I can't see it, I, I just don't have any interest in it. Uh, for some of us, it's hard to conceptualize things that we can't see. But Noah demonstrates for us that faith involves believing in things that are unseen, believing in things that haven't happened yet because we believe in God. And just, just a few examples are the judgment to come and our eternal destiny. If you say, Pastor, when I see heaven, I'll believe it. it. According to the Bible, it will be too late then. The faith that God is looking for is faith that leads us to believe in things 
that have not yet happened that we cannot yet see. You say, well, why would I do that? Because we believe and trust God and take him at his word. So look at the next part of verse 7, what it says about this man Noah. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, listen to this description, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. So Noah acted on God's word. Noah built an ark on dry land because he believed God was sending a flood. When you believe something is coming, when you believe that danger is looming, you act and you prepare. And Noah believed and he trusted God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 7, here's how it describes Noah. God said to Noah in chapter 7, verse 4, For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I've made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And listen what it says about Noah. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. We ask, what is God looking for? Uh, God is looking for obedience. He's looking for us to have enough faith to believe that the things he has promised will one day receive. He's looking for us to have enough faith to believe that the things that he's warned us about are true. And this leads us to act in a reverent fear. This is exactly how the Bible describes Noah. It says in reverent fear. So, so what does this mean to have a reverent fear? But God never meant for us to live in terror. It's not, it's not what the Bible presents to us about the nature of God or our relationship to him. It doesn't mean for us to live in terror that we're just always a, a afraid of God, that he might do something unexpected or, or get us. That's, that's not at all what it means. But to have a reverent fear means to, to be in awe and respect of God. To fear the fact that he has the ability to discipline us if he needs to. To fear the fact that all of his warnings are true. And if we don't listen, we'll suffer the consequences. Reverent fear means that I stand in awe before God and that moves me to act. Reverent fear for God. It leads us to have more fear of him than we do of people or circumstances. And so Jesus would teach us this in Matthew 10, verse 26. He was speaking about those who would persecute his followers. Here's what he says. So have no fear of them. So when you're persecuted, don't be afraid. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. 
what you hear whispered proclaim on the housetops and listen to this and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him that is god who can destroy both soul and body in hell this is what reverent fear looks like it means that we understand the power of god we believe that his warnings are true and that there are consequences for disobedience. And that drives us to be obedient no matter what it might cost us. Uh, when I was in Atlanta, I pastored there for nine years. It's, it's a very, very anti-Christian culture. Uh, I, I know there's some, certainly some anti-Christian culture here in Kentucky, but absolutely nothing like in Atlanta. And uh, one of my staff members was bivocational, and he had a two-hour commute to work, which is pretty normal in Atlanta. And so uh, they would, he would carpool and listen to sermons a lot of times. And, and the friend that I had never met that would carpool with him, he would listen to sermon after sermon after sermon. And he, he commented one day to my staff member, he said, he said, he said, you're, it's like your preacher, this isn't afraid of anybody. And I said, oh, no, that's, that's, that's not true at all. Like, like, I understand how much damage people can do. I, I, I really do. Uh, from anything from uh, uh, threats of violence to, to, to wreaking havoc in ministry with false accusations. There's all kinds of damage that people can do. Uh, it's not that I'm not afraid of people. I mean, I, I realize what problems people could cause me. It's just that I'm much more afraid of God. And that's what reverent fear looks like. When you stand in awe of God, that you're willing to go against the whole world rather than defy him. Noah had this kind of reverent fear that he believed and he trusted God. And so therefore, he obeyed God. Noah acted to save his household because he believed God. It says, being warned by God concerning events yet unseen in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And so verse 7, the last part, notice what it says. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. You see, it is faith that separates the righteous from the unrighteous. Faith. When Jesus tells us about this final judgment in Matthew 25, verse 32, that's what he says. We read it earlier, but just listen again. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Verse 46, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. What is it that determines whether we go into eternal punishment or into eternal life? If you were to ask the average person on the street today, they would say, well, it just, it just it all depends on what you do. 
and I'm trying to do good things. In fact, if you were to ask the average person today in America just to explain their belief about this, it would go something like this. They would say that you have to do more good than bad so that your good outweighs the bad and your good makes up for the bad things that you have done. That's what most people would say. You and I certainly need to do good things. In fact, the Bible says that God created us for good works. But that's not what makes us righteous. You see, this type of what we would call self-righteousness is insufficient to get us into heaven. The righteousness that we need is the righteousness that Christ offers. You see, you and I, we can look around and we compare ourselves with other people. And in this room, there's some really good people. There's people in this room that I have tremendous respect for. There's some really good people here. And we wouldn't have to look very far to find a lot of people in our community that by comparison, you're just an absolute saint. But that's the problem. That's not the comparison that God makes. You see, in the scripture, it teaches this, the sin, sin is not falling short of the glory of your neighbor. It's falling short of the glory of God. And when we compare ourselves to Christ, that's when we begin to realize how far even the best of us falls short. The good news is that Christ offers us his righteousness as a free gift. You say, how does that work? How can you do that? When Jesus went to the cross, he's the only person that ever died that didn't deserve to die. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But when Christ went to the cross and died, he had never sinned. He lived an absolute perfect life. And he laid his life down as a sacrifice to be our substitute, to pay the penalty that we owe. And if we will put our faith in him and we believe, then we can have a righteousness that doesn't come from works. We can have a righteousness that comes by faith. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it would say, talking about the gospel, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Noah heard God's warning and he believed. And because he believed and took God at his word, he acted. 
And Noah received righteousness the same way that every person receives righteousness by faith. So I want to encourage you today to believe in things unseen. God is among us. You can't see him, but he is here. He's promised whether two or three are gathered, he is in our midst. He is here. One day, you've not seen it yet because it's not happened yet, but one day Christ is going to return. And just like he came the first time, he's coming again, but this time he's coming in all of his glory. And you may have sat and watched the news and time and time again being frustrated and mad because all this evil is happening in the world and nothing seems to be done about it. And all these people that are corrupt just get away with everything. But the Bible tells us that that's not so. That one day there's going to be a judgment. And you and I, we won't escape it because we're better people. If we escape it, it'll be because we put our faith in Christ and received his righteousness as a gift. Noah believed what God said. So therefore he acted and he built an ark and saved his whole family. Today, if you believe what God says about the future, you'll act. And through faith, you too can be saved. Let's pray together. Father, give thanks for Noah who believed in something he couldn't see, something that hadn't happened, and yet in reverent fear, he obeyed you. God, help us today to be like him, to take you at your word, to believe your promises, and in reverent fear to prepare for your warnings. Father, if there's a person in this room, a person that's listening to this broadcast that has never been saved through faith, I pray today they'll call out to you in prayer. Father, help us to live with the same kind of reverent fear that Noah exemplified for us. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and we're going to sing, and I want to invite you to come and respond to God. See, if you've never had a time in your life that you've put your faith and your trust in him, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You know what that means? It means salvation is not a decision that you put off. It means you make it now. When you understand, when you believe, you make your decision. And if you were just to pray right now, and ask God for forgiveness, you could receive the gift of forgiveness. Maybe here today, and you've been saved, but you're struggling to believe some of the things that you've read in the Bible. Faith involves taking God at his word and believing that his promises are true. So however you need to respond to the Lord today, to be in faith and in reverent fear of him, I invite you to do as we sing. Let's stand together.
to you.